0: My clicker's not working. There we go. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 to 5. And let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is this evening to gather with your church to lift up your name in song worshiping together even now as we turn our attention to the word Lord I pray that this would not just be routine but that we open the word of God that we would come before you in awe this evening ready to hear from the God of the universe standing in awe in the fact that you've chosen to reveal yourself to us We've seen your love in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. Even as we open your word, to learn about what you say, we pray that you would guide us, that you would point out where we are wrong, challenge us, change us for your glory, Lord. Give me authority and boldness to proclaim the truth of your word this evening with clarity, that your name may be lifted high. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're continuing our series on the topic of unity. We've been working through throughout the summer. And we began the summer by looking at John 17, verses 20 to 26. We saw the importance of unity. That this is a topic worth focusing on. Worth fighting for. In fact, it's not just John 17 where we saw that as as Jesus prays. But we've seen that even repeated week in and week out. The importance of unity in the church. After that first week, we've spent the rest of the summer working our way through Ephesians 4, 1-6. Seeing reasons for unity. This week... we come to 2 Timothy 4 verses 1 to 5 we'll see a means that God uses to produce unity in the church that is mainly the preaching of the word of God see I want to ask a question as we get started this evening hopefully this is a question that you've put some thought into at some point my kids they, they ask a lot of questions sometimes it gets exhausting but it's good to be curious it's good to ask questions To know why you do something is to add purpose and meaning to whatever that thing may be. So, my question is this Why do we preach? Why is it that our services are built around the preaching of the Word of God each week? You see, we sing. And that is good the church should sing but we sing to prepare our hearts for preaching. We pray. Again that is good the church should pray. But we are not gathered here for the purpose, for the sole purpose of prayer, rather we pray in preparation and response to the preaching of the word. We give offering. And that is good, we should give, but we don't gather here to give. That's not the purpose of why we're here. Rather, we give in response to the preaching of the Word of God. We serve, again, in response to the preaching of the Word of God. What is it about preaching that makes it so important that we gather here three times a week for it? Where preaching is so important that it is the center of what we do as we gather. I would submit to you this evening that the importance of preaching is not the practice. It's not that there's someone up here speaking. The importance of preaching is in the word of God. It is the, the main thing that we do as a church, as we gather. It is central to all that we do as God intended, because it is the preaching, the proclamation of God, Word Himself. We gather to hear God. Not me, not anyone else that may fill this pulpit. And the power of preaching is the word of God. The purpose of preaching, as we see in Ephesians 4, 11 to 12, is the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. It is the proclamation of the word of God applied to the life of the saints that equipped them to do the work of the ministry. I think you see that very clearly in the passage that precedes the one that we're in right now. Second Timothy 3, 16 to 17, and we'll get into that in just a second. What I want you to see this evening that the preaching is not something that's just something we do, but there is a weight to it. There is a reason why we gather underneath the preaching of the Word of God. This evening we'll see that as we look at the context of preaching in this passage, the practice of preaching and the needed endurance for preaching. The first thing we see is the context of preaching. In the first verse here, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. I charge you therefore. Before we look at that word charge, I want to look at that word therefore because that gives the context for the charge. The therefore looks back to 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1-9. to 9, The looming last days. The end times are coming. The last days are right around the corner. But then from the looming last days of 2 Timothy 3 1 to 9, Paul then moves to the power and the purpose of God's word. Second Timothy three. Verses ten to seventeen specifically. Verses 16 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Therefore, given the, loom, given the looming last days, given the power of God's word, therefore, I charge you, Timothy. I charge you. The word charge is a powerful word. It is not just a suggestion. It is to command with authority, especially in the context of danger. It's not a suggestion. It is an urgent command. Something that is time sensitive. Do this with all of your strength and might. Do this with all hurrying, getting right to it, focusing. Not lagging behind, but jump to it. I charge you in the context of the looming last days and the power and the purpose of God's word. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on. Right, right, the urgency in the context of Paul's command here, it's already grabbed our attention. Clearly this is important, but he doesn't stop there. In fact, he goes on to add the greatest possible weight to this command. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. I charge you in light for the fact that Jesus is coming again. And not just the fact that he is coming, but especially in the fact of the imminence of his coming. He is coming, and he could come at any moment. And with him, as Paul goes on to say here, with him comes judgment. Essentially what Paul is doing here is he is imploring Timothy to preach with the knowledge and the conviction that everyone under his preaching will one day stand before God will one day stand before God as judge in one way or another. Believers will stand before God, we'll be judged and rewarded. Unbelievers will be judged and condemned. So, Timothy, preach with urgency, knowing that everyone under your preaching will one day stand before God. Timothy, preach knowing that one day you will stand before God and give account for every word that you speak. Brothers and sisters, can you not feel the weight of this task? This is not something to be taken lightly. So we see the weight of this, the context of preaching. The context of preaching is in the the fact that Jesus is coming back and he will judge the living and the dead. What about the practice of preaching? This is where we finally get to the, the primary imperative of this passage. I charge you, do this. What is it that he charges us to? He charges you to, Timothy, to preach the word. Notice that in light of what he has said, in light of the great weight, it doesn't say I charge you Timothy to be a good person. I charge you Timothy to love one another. Those are all important things, but he says, I charge you with the heaviest possible weight that I can add to this charge to preach the word. This is the primary responsibility of every pastor. Brothers and sisters, our need for God's word cannot be overstated. And so our preaching cannot be overemphasized. Preach the Word. And not just sometimes, but preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. At all times, when it is easy and when it is hard. The context doesn't matter. What matters is that no matter where you are, that you are faithful to preach the Word. Not just preach, stand up and say something, preach the word. This is the word of God that you are to preach. It is scripture that is given by the inspiration of God as we saw in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. This is the word of God that is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction and righteousness. This is the word of God that makes the man of God complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Preach the word. What does this preaching entail? I think that's what we see in the rest of verse 2. It includes convincing, rebuking, exhorting, and teaching. Convincing or correcting? To preach the word is to correct those who are in error. Brothers and sisters, doctrine matters. Truth matters. So those who are in error, correct them. Open the word of God, correct them. As you preach, proclaim the truth, but not only uh, convince or correct, but also rebuke. Rebuke those in sin. To rebuke is to point out where someone is wrong, where they have sense to call them out, calling them to repentance. We see far too little rebuke, not only in our churches, but even in our preaching. We need encouragement. And that's the next word, exhort. Call to to, to response in light of the truth, to encourage. We need that, but preaching is also rebuking. As you preach the word of God, correct those in error, rebuke those in sin, and encourage those who are being faithful. Call the church to response in light of the truth. That is preaching. Preaching is application. It is taking the word of God. It is applying it. And it is calling for response. If you are wrong, be corrected. If you have fallen into sin, be rebuked. If by the grace of God you are being faithful, be encouraged. I can think of many messages that I've sat under during my life where each one of those things has happened to me. I can think of times where I sat there under rebuke, feeling the full weight as if the pastor was just piling stuff on top of me. Feeling the weight of my sin. I can think of times when I have left a message incredibly Encouraged and strengthened. Or times when when I had the wrong idea and I was corrected. Convince, rebuke, exhort. And do it with all long-suffering and teaching. Do it with long-suffering. The task of preaching requires patience because change is often gradual. Requires commitment. Be patient. You're dealing with people, and people, you need patience to deal with people. People are great, but you need patience. Be long-suffering. With long-suffering and with teaching. The idea of teaching is the slow, purposeful work of discipleship. Preach and then come alongside and teach. Matthew twenty-eight, twenty. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. As one commentator put it, to rebuke without instruction is to leave the root cause of error untouched. So rebuke, convince, exhort, and then come alongside and teach. So here we see the practice of preaching. We saw the context, the weight of it. Here we see the practice of it. What is it? It It's the proclamation of the word of God to convince, rebuke, and exhort with long-suffering and with teaching. And finally, we see the needed endurance of preaching in verses 3 to 5. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. They will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, Timothy, you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist to fulfill your ministry. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine when they are more interested in their own interests and what they want than in the truth. Brothers and sisters, understand this, that the purpose of preaching is not to give people what they want to hear. That would be easy. Believe me, I love getting up here and hearing amens. It is so encouraging. But I'm not preaching to get amens. I'm not preaching to tell you what you want to hear. The purpose of preaching is to give the people what they need. The purpose of preaching is to equip the saints, not to enable the saints. The purpose of preaching is to convince and rebuke and to encourage. But in light of that, Timothy, you be watchful in all things. Preach the truth and preach it faithfully and be watchful in all things. The idea there is of of self-control, be self-controlled. Don't get carried away. Don't get lost in the emotions of the moments. Be steadfast, be self-controlled in your preaching. Preach the word soberly. Secondly, endure afflictions. Patient and faithful even in affliction. Not letting afflictions shut you up, but being faithful to preach the word even in afflictions, to stand fast, faithful. Third, to do the work of an evangelist. Proclaim the good news without apology. Don't ever stop preaching the gospel. I find it interesting here. Evangelist is elsewhere in the New Testament in office. It's a role. However, here, Timoth- here Timothy is called not to the office of an evangelist, yet he's still called to do the work of an evangelist. I think there's a lesson for that, even as you think back to what we heard this morning in 1 Peter that every Christian, regardless of gifting, is called to the work of evangelism. You may not be the skilled, the most skilled evangelist, but do the work of an evangelist. Be faithful to proclaim the gospel. At the very least, share your testimony, what God has done for you in Christ. Do the work of an evangelist. Be faithful, Timothy. Be self-controlled. Be patient and faithful in affliction. Preach the gospel. Fulfill your ministry. Do not give up. Be faithful to the task that God has called you to. Don't preach what the people want to hear. Preach the word. So a couple points of application. In light of this heavy call to preaching. Number one. I guess number one is kind of two, two pronged. Number one. We do have some young men in our church who are training for preaching. And some older men, by the grace of God, who've had the privilege to preach and still do as the Lord opens those opportunities. But if you are here and you have the privilege of preaching, if the Lord ever calls you to that, do not take it lightly. Study this passage, feel the weight of this passage. It is a privilege to preach the word, but with privilege comes responsibility. Take it seriously. And along with that, church, maybe you're not called to preach. So then how in the world do you apply this passage to you? I think the application to those who are not called to preach is to value Preaching. As you look at a passage like this, see the weight of preaching. See what the Lord intends through preaching. See the purpose of it and value it all the more. Grow to love it. Prioritize it. Because God prioritizes it. Secondly, This is going to be kind of awkward coming from me, but love your pastor. <laughs> if you look at a pastor like this, see the task that, that I am called to. And what I want you to, to, to see this is not a, oh, woe is me. It is a privilege to preach the word of God. But I want you to understand the weight of it. And in doing that, I want you to also understand my heart behind it. I'm not preaching the word of God to get what I want to get. I love those amens, but I'm not preaching to get amens. When you feel rebuked through the preaching of the word of God, when you feel corrected through the preaching of the word of God, don't take it out on me you're supposed to. That is the purpose of preaching. If I have to come to you and rebuke you or correct you, I want you to know my heart behind it. It's not because I have a problem with you. It's because I love you. It's because I implore you to be faithful. So I want you to to, to know that. To know that if I have to come to you, with open Bible, if I have to address something through preaching specifically in the church, that it comes from a place of love and care. Value preaching, love your, faith, your, your pastor, finally be faithful. Be faithful because Christ is coming back who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. It is in that context that we preach, it is in that context that we live. So be faithful and do the work of an evangelist as much as possible. Always be ready to give an answer for those who ask for a reason for the hope that is in you, even as we saw this morning. Be faithful, living in light of the return of Jesus Christ. The end is at hand. So all that to say, what does this have to do with unity the point is this, that the faithful preaching of the Word of God drives the church toward unity. That's not all it does. But as we've been working our way through this study on unity, and we've seen the, the call to humility, the call to love one another, the, the call to do all of these things that, that lead to unity, it is through the preaching of the Word of God, through His Word that the Lord works, molding each one of us into the image as we grow together, as we saw, as we see in Ephesians chapter 4, growing together in the image of Christ, as we each one grow, it grows us together in unity. It is the preaching of the word of God as the Lord works through his word in each and every one of us, as we all grow, that we grow together. The preaching of the word of God is vital to the unity of the church. We can't have unity if we fight for unity in our own strength. Unity comes through the preaching of the word of God. So be faithful. In just a second, we're going to transition to communion. A time when we get to celebrate and practice that very unity as we come to this table. And we remember what Jesus Christ has done for us. We're going to pause here and we're going to sing the song, hymn number 111, And Can It Be. And I would encourage you, even as we sing these these words, meditate on them. Prepare your heart for what it is that we are about to do as we come to this table to remember our Savior, Jesus Christ, who died for us. Let's stand together and sing number 111, And Can It Be.